This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We are just hours away from kids going back to school. Kids, if you're in the backseat of the car right now, uh, cover your ears for a second. <laughs> hey, I liked going back to school, at least for a couple of years. At first, you get this true story. Grade eight, first day of school, I wore my baseball uniform from the local team that I was playing on. I wanted everybody in the class to know that I was the the jock, the school jock. And boy, within 15 minutes, did I ever regret it. My friends were just ruthless to me. But those are the mistakes you make as a kid. One thing as a parent is you do your research, you do your due diligence. Damn it, you set your kids up for success, which is why our next guest, kind enough to join me, Andy Barrar, our tech and digital lifestyle expert at handyandymedia.com. Andy, good afternoon. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm okay. I'm reminiscing about zits and going back to school (laughs) and all the nerves that came with it. But uh, I also had nerves sending my kids back as a parent. So I'm trying to figure out how in the final hours I might be able to save some parents some money. So hopefully you can help me with that. You ready to rock on that? I'm ready, Rob. This is a different back to school than most years because yes. uh, everyone's on a budget right now with the cost of living and inflation. So I feel for all the parents out there. Well, you know, the one thing that I worry about with, and both my kids are through high school, so I, I say this more to some of my uncles and cousins and nephews and nieces that still have kids in school, is just tech. Because there's always this expectation that your kids have to go to school with A, B, and C and all of the stuff that comes with it, be it a phone or a laptop or a pad or something like that. That's not necessarily the case, and it doesn't always have to be new either. No, it doesn't. And that's what people don't realize is that when when you're going back to school, of course, you know, especially for older students, whether you're in high school or going into university, you're going to need a laptop. But you don't need like the latest and greatest. You don't, it's like you don't need a Lamborghini to go grocery shopping. And the same goes with laptops. You know, for most students out there, everything can be done on the cloud, even the word processor. You could use Google Docs and maybe avoid getting that Microsoft Office subscription, which is now an annual subscription instead of just buying the software outright. So there's lots of different ways to save on money. And the one thing that I recommend a lot of parents and students going out there is consider buying a refurbished laptop. That's where you get the biggest savings because you could probably get a laptop with a little more bells and whistles, but at a fraction of the price. And you can save anywhere from 300 Then I was just checking yesterday, Rob, up to like eight to $900 on these laptops if you get a refurb. The one catch is the battery life. For these manufacturers like Amazon, um, also London Drugs and Best Buy will all sell you refurbished laptops, but they double check to make sure it's good to go before they, they resell it. And the thing that they make sure is that the battery life of that laptop is at at least at 80% of its max power. Because as you know, Rob, with these lithium ion batteries, everybody with a smartphone knows 
that the charge doesn't hold after a couple of years. So that's the only caveat that you want to think about. But you can save a lot of money. And of course, you could always, with some models, buy a backup battery in the event that that battery finally dies after a couple of years. Andy, you touched on it briefly when you brought, when you said Microsoft Office. One of the things that I'm starting to learn a bit more about, and I'm probably late to the party on this, but I'd love for you to flesh it out, um, open source software. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of different open source software. I think Google Docs for a lot of students is, is probably the best bet because all of your files can be stored online. And, you know, I was thinking about this today, Rob. You know, if I was going to university again, would I take my notes? Would I type them out in class or would I write them by hand? Now, research shows that you should still write with, with your hands all your notes because you can retain that information better than typing. But if you're a fast typer, you know, that's definitely an option. And when you have it up in the cloud and it's all free and then you could use the search function to find, you know, keywords when you're, when you're studying later on or going through your notes. So there is that option of just doing everything in the cloud, you know, try to write less. But again, the research shows if you write by hand, you're more likely to retain that information, especially when you're taking notes during class. I have always been, you know, thinking to myself things like, boy, if I was in school, one of the things that I would have done is I would have taken pictures on my phone of the chalkboard because you talk about retaining by writing. One of the things that I always got, you know, if I got behind or I was focusing on something is all of a sudden the teacher goes up to the chalkboard and, and wipes it clean. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't done yet. Whereas now in today's day and age, it's no brainer. You just take a couple of pictures, what have you. But there's also, Andy, a couple of apps out there that I find really engaging because the, the class that I struggle with the most was French. And I noticed there's a there's an app out there called Deep L, Deep and then the letter L, where you can hold up your phone to the 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 um, chalkboard and it will translate from English to any language that you want in real time what it is that's on the chalkboard. I thought, you know, it does it in French, it does it in Spanish, it does it in a number of different Asian languages as well. That to me is kind of something where I was like, man, if I'd had that one tool, it might have changed everything for me. Yeah, the, the, the thing about today with students is you know, when you are in class and you're learning, you can do a lot of additional learning outside of class. And those are some great tools that can help you in the class. But you know, think about YouTube. You can learn anything on YouTube. And that's, you know, traditional education as well. One of the great resources is called the Khan Academy. And so for a lot of kids who are maybe struggling in math and they need to catch up, parents, you know, this is something that you definitely want to check out. You could probably learn some math as well or refresh your math with your child by doing that. But it doesn't just being limited to the classroom. There are a lot of additional free resources. And I highly recommend people go down that rabbit hole on YouTube for all those educational courses that, that are available for free for people to, to view and to use as study tools. Being joined still, and I thank him for doing this. Andy Barari, you are such a kind man for staying with me for a second segment. We're having a great conversation about um, tech and some of the things that your kids might need heading into the 2023 school year. And we're trying to save you a couple of bucks as well. Hey, Andy, is there anything out there that is kind of like the in thing right now when it comes to tech? I'm not talking about like the Apple 15, but I'm talking about something that might be a, a cool gadget that kids are kind of looking for these days. Yeah, I have a great gadget suggestion, Rob. That's not only good for kids, but for the parents as well. Pretty much anybody with an iPhone, you want to listen up right now. Because if you have an iPhone, you've probably got a lot of storage issues. Your storage is full on your phone. And then Apple, you keep getting that notification that your storage is full and they want you to get more iCloud uh, storage. 
so storage up in the cloud. Well, that's expensive. And those are those hidden fees that a lot of people don't realize. The gadget that I have, it's called the SanDisk iExpand flash drive. Now it looks like one of those little thumb drives that we used to all carry around to transfer files, except this one has a lightning port on one side and a traditional USB port on the other. And what you do is you plug it into your iPhone, you download an app, you take all those photos and videos that are on your phone and you drag it onto this thumb drive. Then you take it and put it into your laptop and you can drag it all onto your computer or put it onto an external hard drive. That basically bypasses the iCloud so you don't have to use that, but you still have all of your files um, set put. If anybody wants this, I have a link on my website, handyandymedia.com. It's one of the best gadgets. Everybody needs this if you have an iPhone. And so for a lot of kids, they've been taking all these pictures and videos during the summer. Now's the time to clear your phone out don't, don't go to your parents saying, I need more cloud storage. <laughs> get one of these. It costs $55, and you're going to get 128 gigs of storage. So 128 gigs of all that photos and videos on your phone can go onto your computer, bypassing iCloud. So it's probably one of the best gadgets that any iPhone user, whether you're a kid or an adult, should definitely get. God, I'm going to buy that myself. I mean, that's oh, not just for kids. That, that makes a lot of sense to a lot of different people. Yeah, you know, this the, the, the cloud has a lot of benefits, you know, the convenience of being able to access that. But it, it keeps adding up. We're going to keep taking pictures. We're going to keep shooting videos. And they just want us to keep adding and adding on that. Google does this. Apple does this. Amazon, they're all doing this. But with one of these tricks, you know, you still have those photos because you need to keep these photos. We take so many photos these days. But this is the best way, the cheapest way that you can do that. Have it onto a hard drive, put it in your safety deposit box or store it somewhere safe. And then you still have all those photos for years to come. Hey, Andy, I, I don't know if this is a moral question or not. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But I know that there's certain classes out there that don't allow you to bring your um, your phone to your desk. But there are parents out there, especially with kids that are a little bit younger, that are thinking of Apple tags. And this is, you know, something you put in the in their backpack or, you know, dare I say on their person, something that allows their families or at least their parents to track where they are, because of course, safety is paramount. Uh, do you see this being a problem? Is that an expensive problem? Or do you think that's just the way the future is going to go? Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely an option for parents and especially even for kids. If you if you misplace items all the time, whether it's your backpack or your keys, putting one of these air tags on it can can help you locate that. And people use it all the time when they're traveling. They put it on their luggage. Um, but for kids, you know, and this is an interesting conversation, Rob, because a lot of parents, you know, they have to understand, like, what age do I give a cell phone to my child? Mm -hmm. Because parents want to have that peace of mind where the kids can contact them. So, it, you know, it, it's different for every parent of what age that is. But I can guarantee you, no matter what age you pick, your kid's going to have a friend who already has a phone. You know, that's just the, the reality of it. But Having, having a cell phone or having one of those air tags is definitely a, a good way to be able to keep track of your child. And there's some even new RFD tags that you can get. And these are kind of like with the hotel keys where you can kind of just put the card up and it opens the door. You can now even get these for smart locks. So when your kids come home from school, they can use one of these uh, things, these RFID tags to open the doors as well and just keep it on their backpack. And then they have an easy way to get in and out of their house without needing a key or a pin code. I, you know, like I said, I think that's great from an ease perspective, but I'd really worry if my kid lost his backpack and all of a sudden there was something with my address within that. I Maybe I'm uh, the worst case scenario dad, but I'm always thinking of ways to keep my kids safe, but also keep my home safe because Andy, I might've lost a half dozen keys a year 
when I was in school. I was constantly yep. losing my keys and my keychain. So you talk about an additional expense replacing those over the course of the calendar year is is king as well. But let's finish up with safety, Andy, because I think this is something that's really important. We've talked about a way that we can store our, you know, our photos and all of the stuff that we're doing. We've talked about different things and ways that we can save money. Let's finish up with safety and just talk about um, is there any tech out there right now? And not to put you on the spot with this one that can help our children find safety. Is it is it just just as simple as having a cell phone where they can call 911 or press the emergency icon? Or are there other ways that maybe we can, uh, you know, take a, a different look where without giving a kid a phone where we can still feel like they're safer going to school? Yeah, the, the phone is a tough one, Rob, because you, you're opening up a, the Pandora's box when you give a child totally. a, a smartphone just, just so that you can contact them when you need it. You know, there's a lot of parental controls that you can put on these phones to limit the, the apps and, and stuff that they can purchase. The phone is a great tool. You know, uh, hands down, it is a great tool. And at some point, the child is going to have a phone in their life. And it's really important to just, you know, teach them good phone etiquette about how to use a phone, when to use a phone, try to keep your phone off and not be a distraction. But it is probably the best and easiest ways for parents to, to keep in touch with their kids when they go to school. Uh, other than that, like you said, the the air tags, those are another good option, but the kids might, you know, feel like they're being snooped on all the oh, time. Oh, they will. I of, guarantee it. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that's a, definitely a conversation you're going to have to have with your child to let them know that uh, you can you can see where they're at at any point in time. So there's no point in them lying uh, to you when they're, you know, saying they're at the library, but they might be, you know, at the corner store drinking Slurpees with their friends. Yeah, I can't remember where I was reading it. There was a class or there was a school in the States that was going to put cameras in every classroom so that the parent could check in on their child. And I think it had to do with the fact that someone in the state had a school where there was a shooting and the families came together and said, listen, I just want to be able to see in the classroom and make sure that my child's safe. And I know that this is, I'll try to find it before the show is done, but I feel like at some point there's going to be like, I can check out my dog anytime I'm, you know, out and about and I can go home and and see two cameras but I think at some point the tech is going to go in the direction of making sure that these children and their parents can at least see each other or have some form of communication because unfortunately that's the world that we live in now Andy thank you for this man two segments is awesome and your insight is always second to none and hopefully we'll get a chance to do this again soon Thanks, Rob. It's my pleasure. Andy Barrar, kind enough to join us here for a couple of segments. Our tech and digital lifestyle expert, he's got that link up at handyandymedia.com when you're talking about that thumb drive that can help you with um, some of your storage needs on your phone. God, I feel like I got to get that during the commercial break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And not only are the roads looking really good, the water too is having its... Uh, its smooth sailings for lack of a better phrase to talk a bit more about that and it's great to be able to bring deb marshall on when the news is good as well she's the executive director of public affairs strategy and community engagement at bc ferries deb happy long weekend yeah and happy long weekend to you too well, Deb, let's talk about this because heading into Monday, you guys had already serviced more than 60,000 tourists and locals. And uh, so far, it has been a pretty good weekend for BC Ferries, has it not? 
Yes, we've had a really good weekend. And, uh, you know, we are seeing traffic volumes at the typical places for the end of a long weekend. So that would be at uh, Swartz Bay and Duke Point, and particularly Departure Bay is, is quite busy right now. One of the challenges, I think, uh, that BC Ferries faces, and I always try to shine a little bit of light on this, is when it comes to cancellations and staffing, it seems to be the one thing that really gets social media hopping. And I would love to just get it straight from you. When it comes to staffing, there are certain positions that just unfortunately have to stop you guys from certain sailings. I, I know that that's not optimal, but can you walk the listener through why there are certain sailings that do have to fall by the wayside when it comes to staffing? Sure. Well, you know, every each and every one of our crew members are very important to us at BC Ferries, but uh, there are some particular positions where we cannot fail without those uh, particular crew members. You know, that might be, you know, obviously a captain, a chief engineer, a uh, second officer. Uh, some of these positions are very crucial for our operation, and uh, if we are not able to backfill, if we don't have that resiliency, then unfortunately on occasion we do have to uh, cancel service until we can get the proper crew complements. There was a report that came out the other day that said there were 1,100 sailings that have been cancelled over the course of the summer and that 40% of those had to do with staffing. I would imagine that you don't like when reports come out like that because it's such a general blanket statement and each one of those cancellations really is a little individual and, and, and it must be tough for you guys on a communication side to try and you know calm the masses. Yes, well, certainly we don't like to cancel any of our sailings because our customers are relying on us to get to where they need to go. But, you know, to put it into perspective, it's approximately 1% of sailings may be cancelled uh, throughout the course of the year. So while it's unfortunate, uh, you know, we do have uh, over 98% of other sailings are going ahead as planned. What did you learn this summer, Deb? I mean, there were a lot of different things that went right. And I know that sometimes in the news we talk about an aging fleet, we talk about cancellation. But what are some of the takeaways? I I guess it's such a generalized statement, but what are some of the things that you learned this summer from the amount of traffic that you got that maybe could make you better going into the fall or dare I say next summer? Well, I know that our people and culture department has been very hard, working very hard recruiting new individuals into the organization. And I always want to give our hats off to our engineering team. They work very hard to maintain all of our vessels. As you say, some of our vessels are aging, but, uh, you know, we run these vessels about 330 days a year. And we certainly have to give it to our engineering department for keeping everything running. And, and you mentioned staffing, so I'll bring it up as well. Obviously, it's not one of those jobs where you can just show up with your resume and be like, I'm ready to rock. There's obviously a a process and a protocol that you have to put all of your employees through. Are you starting to see those numbers at least uh, tick upwards a little bit as far as interest in working with BC Ferries? Yes, we have had a lot of uh, new people join the organization this year, which is wonderful news for us. Uh, and each one of our shipboard staff, they are uh, Transport Canada certified. There are certain qualifications that each individual needs, and we do have to put them through extensive training before they're ready to uh, help us out on the vessel. And, and final question for you, how long before you think staffing-wise you'll be at 100% capacity, or will you ever get to 100 uh, well, you know, we are seeing a lot of people retire. I think as the baby boomers are uh, leaving the workforce, we're bringing new people in. But uh, recruitment is a constant effort at BC Ferries. You know, we have over 5,000 employees, so there's uh, lots of room to bring new people into the organization. 
Well, congratulations on Knock on Wood, what's been a pretty successful long weekend. I know there have been a handful of cancellations, but when you put that into the big picture and all of the salience that you have been able to get from A to B, uh, I'd like to think you guys knocked it out of the park this weekend. I'm here to say when things don't go well, but I'm also here to say when things do go well. So, Deb, congrats to you and everybody at BC Ferries. Thank you so much, and hats off to all of our crew who have been uh, serving our customers very hard all, all weekend long. They have. There she is, Deb Marshall, Executive Director of Public Affairs, Strategy, Community Engagement. Uh, she wears many hats over at BC Ferries. And, and, and you know what? It, it's funny because there are times where you have to hold people's feet to the fire. But this has been a very good, productive weekend for BC Ferries. And yes, I've seen online that there have been a handful of cancellations. There was one route that lost eight sailings, one of the smaller passages. But when you think of overall... The fact that right now there's still availability on sailings, they're they're getting all of their major routes from A to B, and the communication this weekend was extraordinarily well done. Uh, I think sometimes you got to step back and tip your cap when things do go well, because that's part of the bigger piece of the puzzle. So, yeah, tough summer for BC Ferries overall. I know here on this station, myself included, we've been pretty um, tough on their staffing. We've been tough on some of the vessels, but you know what? Certain things are beyond the control of the average. I guess you would say the average staff member at BC Ferries. I mean, you know, John Q guy that works on deck two has nothing to do with the fact that the ferries aren't necessarily built here in British Columbia. So the one needs repairs. It can't just go into the closest port. Some of these challenges have more to do with government, have to do with politics, have to do with maybe trying to save a couple of bucks where they shouldn't have. But that's for another conversation. Like I said, AM 730 just down the hall from us is reporting the roads are pretty doggone good this weekend and the waters have been fantastic this weekend. So again, good news to wrap up our long weekend. Kids going back to school tomorrow and you know what? They're going to learn a whole bunch of stuff when it comes to the world. And you know what? This was something that came across my desk about a week or so ago and it, it just has never sat right with me. And, and, and a part of it isn't just necessarily what we've heard which was a travel advisory to the LGBTQ plus community saying, hey, by the way, if you travel to the states, here are some states you might want to avoid because you're gay, because you're queer. But it was how quickly the story came and left. It was almost like, nah, yeah, it's the states. That's just kind of par for the course. Show contributor Jerry Mayer Judson, kind enough to join me. Jerry, good afternoon. Well, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. I want to get into this because in addition to the laws that are down there and the troubles right now that many Canadians are facing when they travel abroad into the States, I just can't believe that there's a travel advisory that said something so brash, so bold, and everybody was like, yeah, sounds good. For sure, right? It's it's always been like the, kind of the onus on queer people to know where you're traveling to, which is like, I get you cannot make the whole world inclusive, but you would think that our neighbors to the south would be a little bit more whatever. There's a whole page um, on travel.gc.ca about travel and your sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, and sex characteristics. And so it's just uh, in, in this in government official way just to be like, bef- know before you go that there are some places where the is uh the, the way that you are, who you love, how you express yourself might be criminalized. Some They put in helpful vocabulary that some countries may use laws related to vagrancy, public nuisance, or public morals uh, ah. to criminalize uh, two-spirit LGBTQI plus people. So you have to, yeah, know before you go, know the laws, but like 
sorry to ramble on, but my concern is, okay, well, the state says it's okay, and they've passed all this legislation. We are so close to the United States of America. We intake so much of their media. We share so much between the borders. So I just wonder, will we start thinking that that sort of thing is okay up here? You know, I know certain things when it comes to society are cyclical and every once in a while you'll take a step back in order to mm-hmm. take the proverbial two steps forward. But this one really, it really bothers me in the fact that we just took it as if it was the norm. On the chin. Just like, oh, okay, there's another place the queer people can't go, I guess. Buckle up. Like, and maybe it's fatigue to do with like all of this anti-queer sentiment coming, not even just from the States, but, you know, sometimes from the overpass in North Vancouver. It's a lot of, I mean, we see people protesting outside of drag camps and, you know, like there's all kinds of, I get technically activism, because it's on the other side, but it's... Okay, as somebody not from the queer community, mm-hmm. but somebody that has a ton of respect for it, has mm-hmm. it always felt as if it's kind of like, we'll accept you so long as you're quiet and just stay over there in the corner. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it makes people uncomfortable when queer people are openly queer, right? That's why we have pride. That's why we have all these kind of little spaces and celebrations. That's why we still have safe spaces mm. because even though like I'm a queer person, but I'm not that visibly queer. I don't like look all that queer. My relationship doesn't look all that queer. So I feel rather safe um, usually. But then even, yeah, to talk about these kind of things on the air, I'm just a little bit like, because people still just sometimes people don't get it and then they get weird about what they don't understand but it felt like there were so many things that were being pushed forward and i don't know when it happened Mm -hmm. well i here's my five cent thought on this felt like when trump came to office south of the border and his rhetoric just went to the mainstream Mm -hmm. that it bled across the border into canada Mm -hmm. as well did you see a bit of a shift at that period of time would that be a fair assessment that's yeah that's kind of when it got frightening a little bit and uh, because it's just yeah it was like easy to be like, ah, oh, it's just the States. Oh, they're crazy. Sorry if you're American, but you're just like, ah, oh, it's just the States. But it, it bled up for sure. I mean, there's Trump signs in small towns in Canada, everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's, I see it all the time. And, uh, there's people with not so nice flags on, on, I, like they feel comfortable with that iconography. Definitely a big uptick since, uh, since 2016 for sure. One of the things that I've, and I've got a number of friends who are gay who have said, you know, sometimes in moments like this, the community itself will recede. They'll they'll, mm-hmm. they'll just kind of stay close. They'll keep their cards close to their vest. Mm-hmm. They won't be as, you know, um, I shouldn't say bold might not be the right word, but they'll just, they'll, out, they'll, just they'll come together, but they'll not let anybody in and they'll just try to stay where they feel safe and they feel comfortable, mm-hmm. which is a really big shame. But I, I guess I want to ask you this. There's a difference between being accepted and being involved in the community. It's one thing, for example, the Pride. Pride, the, the Pride initially mm-hmm. was such a great celebration. Yeah. And then it got wildly corporate. Yeah, that, that tends to happen, right? I think, and too, they um, focus on the most sort of palatable part of being, of the queer community. They have like the rainbow flag, but do they have the progress flag with the trans and the brown stuff on it? Maybe not. Um, so it's, yeah, exactly. It, it gets corporated, but then we have the other people that... Uh, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings well, about no, it. no, I do. And, and just to keep it organized, and we'll talk about do. this throughout the afternoon. It's definitely worth more than just one segment on a radio station. But I just want to circle back to this. So all of a sudden, the community that's made so many strides mm-hmm. that is inclusive, that have allowed people into their community and opened up their trust only to see it just slammed in their face. That's how I feel an advisory like this is. Totally. Is the, the gay community said, you know what? Fine. We'll open up. We'll allow you into our world after so many years of you just saying you can't be a part of my world. 
world. Yes. Now you've opened up your hearts, you've opened up your souls, your emotion, and now things like this are happening again, and it must feel like a lot of betrayal. Oh, for sure. It feel, exactly. It feels like a lot of betrayal. It's like, okay, well, you can make money off of queer people, you can, you can profiteer all you'd like, but then, yeah, all this anti-gay legislation and all these crazy sentiments that feel very comfortable being very loud is very I, you scary. You know what? i tell you, the reason I bring it up is if I'm an airline, I wouldn't fly to those states. Oh, yeah. You don't want to accept all Canadians, then you don't get any of the Canadians. I would love if you had an airline, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> that makes two of us. But no, I, I wanted to bring you in and, and just get your thoughts on this because it's such a raw topic for so many people out there that maybe don't have the voice that we have with Certainly. big microphones at a 50,000 watt station. But it really bothered me that this this story last week came to be. And then honest <laughs> to God, before you could have finished the sentence, it was already out because some other thing with inflation came up or some other thing with the long weekend or BC ferries came up. We just need to keep talking about it because it's not acceptable. It's not how it should be in will do better, or at least these conversations will hopefully help others be challenged to do better. Totally. Thanks, Rob. Happy long weekend Monday to you. Yes, just hours away from the kids going to school for the first time, meeting their new teachers. My neighbor, by the way, we're good friends with our neighbor. Um, She was saying to my wife, as they were going back and forth, yeah, you know, day one, it's kind of a mail-in. They're only there for two hours, and it actually takes about a week before the kids are really, quote-unquote, back into school. I'm like, just enjoy those two hours. <laughs> you know what? The kids are back. They got to get their swag. They got to get back into the rhythm as well. It's going to take a little bit of time, but everybody's going to be just fine. Now, the million-dollar question is your kid goes to school, be it for two hours or for seven, what are you packing for them? That question's got a couple of different angles here. I mean, are are we sending them with a full lunch for the first day? Are we having trouble making ends meet? Are we wondering how we're going to feed our kids in the next couple of days and weeks? That's a real question for some. So to talk about this a little bit more, Karen Curtis, uh, Community Kitchen Facilitator at Family Services of Greater Vancouver. Karen, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rob. Well, I can tell you this, uh, whether I like what I got in my package or not when it comes to my lunch, I'm very honored and very happy that I have a lunch. And I know there's certain families out there that are starting to feel the pressures knowing that for the next five days out of a week, they've got to send their kids to school with food. Um, Are there any ideas right now when it comes to getting creative and, and maybe helping with all that inflation out there to keep the price down? I think there are, actually. I've got quite a few ideas. Well, let's get into it. (laughs) I think that parents are feeling that pressure regardless of whether they are struggling to pay for the groceries or not. On the one hand, it's expensive. On the other hand, are your kids going to eat it? And I don't think any of us are in a position to be throwing money away on food that our kids won't eat. So my sort of first advice is to get your children involved in what you're feeding them. Ask them what they want. Ask them if they will help you make it. Take them to the grocery store. Have them pick out certain fruits that they may want to try or vegetables that they might want to try. Shop the outsides of the store rather than the insides of the store. We've all heard that stuff before. But as far as actually feeding them goes, um, I've been recommending that parents try and introduce a lot more um, plant-based items like legumes into the food. There's easy ways to mix those into foods so that you can really, really stretch your dollar as well as increase the nutrition content in foods that are familiar, like pizza sauce. Throw it into, throw a can of lentils into a thing of pizza sauce, blast it up in the blender, and use that as a base for a 
tortilla pizza or a non pizza or something like that. Kids mm-hmm. like cold pizza. So, you know, one of the things that my kids said to me, and I'll never forget it as long as I live. They said, "Dad, I don't care what you send me with; just don't send me to school with something that smells." And uh, you know, as silly as that sounds, when you're sitting in a cafeteria or you're amongst your friends, the last thing you want to do is you know pull back something out of the saran wrap or something that's you know a tuna fish or something that all of a sudden your buddy's like, yeah, that smells gross. So it was always keep it simple, stupid. When it came to being a parent, is is that practical or is that logical? Um, I think I'm not sure how old you are, Rob, but I know in 49. my day, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Then, um, yeah, that is something that we dealt with as kids. And I think nowadays there's so many more um, cultures that we're going to school with that I think the smells are not as offensive as they used to be. Mm-hmm. This probably isn't coming out right, but things like that smell good and we're used to smelling them. But you'll notice I still didn't recommend tuna. <laughs> Even if it is a cheap source of protein. Well, the, I don't think whatever culture you are, tuna ever smells good. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is I love tuna subs, but yet when somebody cracks a can of tuna at home, it's the first thing I'm like, that's disgusting. It's just yep. the way that it is. And, and I've also learned in the workplace environment, I'm not going to say who, but don't ever microwave fish. That's another uh, buzzkill in the workplace. But focusing it on is, these kids, um, Karen, you mentioned legumes. You mentioned a couple of different, you know, smart ways to maybe um, – I guess you would say make a lunch more robust. I also say the one fear that I have is sending my kid to school with too much sugar. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that is a huge concern. Children do need carbohydrates, which is what sugar is, but it's much better if those carbohydrates come in the form of whole grains or even the carbs that are in things like chickpeas and lentils. Um, if you want to give your children a nice sweet treat, one of my favorite go-tos is chia pudding. And you just take chia seeds and a non-dairy milk and sweeten it with a little bit of honey or a little bit of maple syrup. Maybe use jam instead of of, uh, the honey or the maple syrup so you get a fruity thing. And you're controlling the sugar. They're getting whole grains. They're getting calcium. They're getting protein. And it's a great little snack that you can throw in their lunch kit. And, and Karen, if memory serves me correct, you do that just before you go to bed, right? Is you end up just having to soak the chia seeds and the next thing you know, when you wake up, they've all coagulated and you got yourself a pretty good snack. Am I, am I right on that? Absolutely. Gotcha. Absolutely. And that's something you can, you can do with your do kid. That. Sure. You can do that on a Sunday. Oh, Even I your dog, dog likes it. I love it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but you can, you can do that. Like take a Sunday afternoon with your family and prepare you know, 10 jars of chia pudding or 10 jars of overnight oats and they're ready to grab and go first thing in the morning when you, uh, when you leave the house. Genius. So, well, this is good. I've already got some great tidbits from you and I appreciate you doing that. I know some of our listeners are scratching their head, wondering what they're going to do for food and how they can keep that sugar content down. So Karen, this was great feedback. I appreciate your time. I hope you enjoyed well, the last couple of hours of your long weekend. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. Take good care. Straight from the iPod of one Ryan. Welcome back. Like, by the way, I saw Madonna in concert once. It was at BC Place, and all she did was moan about the fact that the clock at the back of the stadium was on. She's like, can you turn that thing off? I feel like I'm on a timer. It's like, just sing like a prayer. Let's move on, all right? Let's get on to it. Okay, best and worst school lunches. Yeah, we're going to talk about this. 
Ryan and Jerry, kind enough to join me as we do the proverbial long weekend roundtable. Jerry, before we get to you and your thoughts on best and then worst school lunches, Ryan, I know you're a man of many cuisines. Tell me the best lunch that your parents ever packed for you, and then tell me one that maybe, eh, you could have done without. Okay, so it's really basic. If you're a kid who was, you know, born in the 90s, you went to school in the 90s, in the early 2000s, right? We all had Lunchables, right? We all had them. But specifically, it's the nachos one. That kill. If you brought that to school, Rob, you were the man. Everyone was coming up to you trying to get a piece of it, trying to get the little, you know, what was it, the little chocolate that would come with it? It was either Kit Kat or there was like a nougat one as well. There was like a Kit Kat and Arrow. Yeah, I know Dude, exactly what honestly, you mean. Honestly, you were the man if you showed up to class with that. And if you came to class with McDonald's, I swear, Rob, oh my God, you were even like, that was like levels above that. Now, again, not the most nutritious, but those Lunchables, you know, once every couple of weeks, maybe, maybe once a month, killed it. Honestly, loved those nachos ones. But they're tiny. I'm looking at this right now. Yeah, but the, when the you're like just small, when I, you're I like eight like years old, when you're eight years old, Rob, it's enough for you. You were eight in the nineties. No, well, no, I'm not that old. But when you're a little, just a little kid, what do you mean that old? I was born in '93, Rob. So do the well, mathematics do there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you ever saw my <laughs> math grades. <laughs> I'm just lucky we don't start it with the letter K here. Okay, Jerry. Now, the, okay, hold on, hold on, hold Jerry. on. You want the worst? I do want the worst. Okay, well, again, basic, but you know what? I wasn't a big fan of sandwiches. Like honestly, I was always like, Mom, Dad. Like I know you guys put a lot of effort into it, but every single day, I can't do this anymore. But what it's goes just, into one of your sandwiches? Honestly, it was just, so you had your bread, you had your, I think it was usually like mayonnaise, there was mustard. Um, from time to time, there was lettuce and tomato. Tomato, I would always say don't do it, because then it just, it makes it all soggy. Yeah. And then it was just like regular lunch meat kind of, right? You know, when you're like 10, Look 11, 12. Look at you scrunching your nose as if it's the most it wasn't, impossible thing It was thing good for a couple of days, but if you're eating that all week, I couldn't do it anymore, Rob. And then once we, I got to high school and you got the cafeteria, okay, that game was over. a game changer. Then I loved lunch. I loved lunch then. Huh. All right, Jerry, the best. The best are, if I can't say Lunchables. You were going to say Lunchables? I, I have it back up, though. I have it back up because I forgot Lunchables existed. And I was like, oh, those were good. Like the weird soggy pizza one. But the nacho one was like supreme. However, uh, Zappums. I don't know, Ryan, if you're familiar with Zappums. I am not, we're, no. Oh, we're like, because we're almost the same age. Um, I'm 94 years old. <laughs> and, um, no, it was like Michelinas, I think, or like adjacent. But it's something you slap in the microwave. It was chicken nuggets and crinkle fries. And they became soggy and molten they were a million degrees you were the man uh, everyone was like can i have a fry I was all oh, be your best friend can i have a fry can you give me a nugget and i think you got dipping sauce i don't recall it doesn't I've... it doesn't show okay. dipping sauce here but it looks like Just dry it's awful <laughs> It was the worst, uh, but like it was my absolute favorite as a perfectly spheroid little child. And then Aww. I think the worst, I stopped liking uh, salami sandwiches. I've eaten too many salami sandwiches in my life. So, so I'm make on the board. salami sandwich. We got the bread. It's we got the, bread. the salami. What else we is in there? We got salami. We've got mustard, and then we got more bread because I was also kind of a picky kid. And I'm like, right. I'll eat the thing with the mustard, but then the sog factor. So it was just yeah. like one micron thick layer of mustard. But uh, I'll make that for myself now. Easy. Okay, so as the old guy here, the, the old person, <laughs> I was like, I ate whorehound candy back. Anyways, that's what you had back in the 20s and 30s. Someone's like, oh, I remember Werther's. Anyways, so the best one that I had is anything hot, anything that was in a thermos. So if you ever got like uh, chunky noodle soup or something like that, 
it was just kind of like the creme de la creme. It was like you were walking with a Conor McGregor strut. But the one thing that my parents were guilty of as when I was a kid was, and I knew this all the time, it was an apple. It was uh, one like pudding cup or something like that, which was gone before I got to the bottom of the elevator. I, I wouldn't even make it outside. Like that thing was hammered right away. And then I would always get a peanut butter and jam sandwich. And that was a staple, but it was wrapped in tinfoil. And I don't know what it was about the tinfoil, but it made the bread like wet. So, and, and then it was like, honest to God, there was enough peanut butter on this sandwich right there that I could have reconstructed my knee. Like it was so proportioned wrong. Like it was a piece of bread, a, an inch and a half of peanut butter that would stick to the roof of your mouth forever. A trace, almost like just a thought of, you know, like jam. Like, it was almost like it was the bottom of the jar every single day. It's like, you know, you could buy... No, it's kind of like... Remember ketchup? Sometimes at the end of our ketchup, instead of buying a new ketchup, we would add milk to the final, like, one-tenth of the uh, of the ketchup, and it would be pink. It would look like Pepto-Bismol, uh, but it would still taste vile. like ketchup. Anyways, you know what? You got to get by, right? But I used to fire... And I say this lovingly because I know my parents had to work hard when I was a kid. I used to fire one of these sandwiches after another every day into the same backyard on my way to school. <laughs> every week. <laughs> there might have been three to four new sandwiches there. I, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Dexter. I think I mentioned this to you, Jerry. One episode of Dexter, they showed all the bodies he had killed at the bottom of the ocean. It was just like this huge amount of like body bags. I swear by the time you got to like Christmas, there might have been a small mountain of peanut butter and jam sandwiches in like unit three of the house by Military Trail Elementary School. <laughs> Did they ever wonder like where are these sandwiches coming from? Oh, dude, I would throw these like it was the final opportunity to win a medal at the Olympics. And I would just huck it. And I swear it always go into the same backyard. And that was just my thing. So Apple would go fired into like someone's backyard. I would eat the pudding before I got to the bottom of the staircase or the bottom of the elevator. And then the sandwich was gone. So essentially I was fueling myself on one like chocolate Popeye and thing. spinach. Yeah, that just was popping it, it into you, the but air. But did you were you guys young enough or old enough to ever have like pizza day at school or oh, cheeseburger yeah. day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was hot the best lunch, day. Hot, hot lunch. lunch what was a hot lunch mm-hmm. Thursday or something like that? Well, it wasn't every week now. At least no, not I think us. it was like quarterly. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't an every really? week I thing. thought it was a little more than that. But no. the reason I say this and the reason we're having this roundtable is you're driving around right now. You're trying to figure out what your kids want. Here's what they want. They want Lunchables. Yeah. They want Zappums. They want uh, better proportions and ratios on their PB&J sandwiches. And more than anything, they just want to make sure that if that once every term comes up and that cheeseburger Sunday shows up or cheeseburger Thursday or whatever day it is, that they've got the opportunity to sit down with their buddies and get it. Is that fair? That's fair. Absolutely. That's a good round table right there. I think we did it. See, parents, we're here for you. (laughs) By the way, I'm looking at this picture of Zappums. They're terrible. (laughs) Stop ragging on my lunch, Rob. They probably taste so good. Look at it. No, there's like six crinkle cut fries and a bunch of chicken nuggets that look like it's a piece of the nugget that fell off the main nugget. Like it looks awful. Oh, they're vile for sure. Just probably packed full of chemicals. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's good for you, man. You're a kid though. You're a kid. Yeah, I guess. All right. Great contribution to the radio today. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, we did thank it, guys. you to both Ryan and to Jerry thank and you. to the parents out there. I'm sorry. A kid in the background, like a lunchable. I'd love to go to school with <laughs> a lunchable. Okay, when we come back, here's a question for you parents. Thanks for listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can always listen to the Jazz Joe Hall Show live Monday to Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on 980 CKNW and connect with me on Twitter at Jazz Joe Hall BC. Talk to you next time.